So I'd like to welcome everybody to the Deity Live Bloggers Roundtable. My name is William Selby, and I'll be the moderator for the call today. Uh, we are pleased to have on the line, uh, sorry, let me back up. Uh, today for Tuesday, October 21st, 2014, a note to the bloggers that are on the line, please be cl clearly state your name and blog or organization in advance of your question. And if you are not asking a question, we ask that you please place your phone on mute. Early systems engineering is important as the Army's tactical networks become more complex. Leveraging modeling and simulation provides the most cost-effective measures to do this. Today we are joined by Josh Fisher and Noah Weston of the U.S. Army Research, Development, and Engineering Command's Communications Electronics RD&E Center, and they will be discussing the Modessa, an MNS tool designed to not only allow early SOS engineering, but we'll also streamline MNS across the acquisition and S&T communities in order to improve cross-organizational collaboration and reduce overall cost and redundancy. Uh, with that, uh, Mr. Fisher and Mr. Wesson, if you have any opening statement, you can go ahead with those. Okay, sure. Thanks a lot, Bill. Um, right, so my name is Noah Weston, and I'm the team lead for the modeling and simulation team here at CERDEC uh, Space and Terrestrial Communications Directorate. Um, and what we want to talk to you today uh, about is the Army's tactical network and specifically some of the challenges that decision makers are faced with when attempting to develop and deploy new technologies to the field. And also how we at CERDEC SMTCD are uh, addressing these challenges with system of systems modeling and simulation. So really the goal of CERDEC SMTCD is to enable stakeholders to efficient, efficiently make um, the best decisions possible regarding, uh, for example, what new technologies are fielded and how they should be utilized. So decision makers want to know uh, how can we increase capability or uh, reduce costs uh, or in, improve reliability. And as the Army Tactical Network's become more and more complex, these questions become more difficult to answer. And uh, just uh, as some background, the tactical network that the Army um, is, is building is sort of built in layers. So you have uh, layers typically by echelon. So at the platoon or below the platoon at the squad level, you have one network and one system there uh, to operate that network or create that network. And then above the platoon, you, you would have a company-level network. Um, and then above that, the battalion would typically have another network and other systems used uh, in that network, and, and, and then brigade and above as well. And all those different layers have different waveforms uh, or different systems, uh, different radios that are used to create it. Um, and then there's typically some sort of gateway or interface between those layers as well. And so... <clears throat> This, that type of complexity that I was just describing really necessitates that system of systems engineering and analysis be conducted up front and as early on in the development and integration cycle as, po as can be possible. Um, for example, new technologies that are being introduced to the field, they don't always work seamlessly uh, with existing fielded equipment or with the legacy systems that are that are in the field. Um, but we really believe that uh, system systems engineering and analysis 
if, if it's accomplished early, can provide insight uh, into those integration and procurement questions. Uh, one of the issues we found is that many systems are developed and tested independently, sort of in a bubble by themselves. And while the integration and testing with other systems gets pushed off till uh, late in the development cycle, uh, and that typically makes it difficult to affect any change or correct issues that come up. Um, and then when that integration testing does happen, sometimes we see uh, that, the, that the integration only really happens in a large uh, field-based event, um, and, and those events are usually uh, not very flexible or difficult to really customize, and uh, they're expensive typically. Um, so those those issues have, have really pointed us to um, to the to the belief that modeling and simulation can provide the most cost effective means to do system of systems engineering and analysis. Um, modeling simulation requires fewer personnel. You know, it doesn't require the huge amount of hands that you would um, that you would need for a field event. Uh, it's repeatable. You can run the same scenario over and over again. And see um, and, and ensure that you what you saw was really what really happened. Um, it provides flexibility, so you could, for example, change the terrain uh, or the physical location of your nodes. You could turn on or off weather effects. You could increase or decrease the node node counts, the number of radios in, in your scenario, and change the configuration of those nodes. Uh, it also provides scalability. So you can increase the number of nodes or radios without uh, respective uh, linear increase in costs. And, um, you know, importantly, too, it can be done early um, before hardware uh, is actually available or before the production is really ramped up. And, um, and of course, another benefit to modeling simulation is it can actually feed into the field events so that your, um, you could possibly down-select some of your scenarios and only run a few of them in the field and, and save costs in that way. Um, however, you know, we also see that some of the existing modeling simulation capabilities, um, they, they don't go far enough to answer today's complex networking questions, like with the big picture system of systems. Um, for example, a detailed routing or latency analysis of the entire system of systems. Uh, many, many of the existing tools can't actually um, accomplish something that, to that scale. And um, typically, if you're, um, you'd be looking at a number of modeling simulation tools um, that would be required if you're trying to analyze uh, the entire tactical network system of systems. And uh, so some of these, some of these MNS tools are, um, are they're stovepiped in their processes. They require their own setup independently. Each, each tool requires its own setup. So if you're looking at a scenario that requires multiple tools, you know, you have to duplicate that effort. Uh, your configuration and scenario definition would have to be done independently for each of those tools as well. And so uh, if, if you're looking at um, analyzing, let's say, the routing between a company layer, like I mentioned before, the network that makes up the company and the battalion, and you want to look at that at a high fidelity, it would require the use of at least two simulation tools. And each of those tools would then require their own setup and configuration 
uh, and scenario definition, et cetera. So you see that like with the current landscape of modeling simulation, um, these disjointed environments uh, require this redundant effort. And, uh, and as you can imagine, um, as much as the commercial tools are being used, there would be redundant spending on those tools for every organization that, that needs to utilize them. So our solution to, to these issues is in an effort that we're calling Modesta, which is the Modeling Emulation Simulation Tool for Analysis. And CERDEC, been, we've been developing this tool so that we can streamline modeling simulation across the community. Um, and in that, reduce cost and the redundant effort that is required currently. So what does Modesta do? It's really, um, it's a tool that's going to combine high-fidelity modeling simulation tools, such as um, the government uh, off-the-shelf tool called uh, the Extendable Mobile Ad Hoc Network Emulator, or eMain, and along with that, commercial tools like uh, the Joint Network Emulator, and bring them together in an open framework uh, along with automated processes and uh, standard interfaces and databases, which will allow those tools to now work together uh, so that we don't have uh, to do uh, repeated stovepipe processes for each tool that's required. So by leveraging um, these existing commercial tools and, and also focusing on and converging towards uh, government-owned uh, government or open source tools for large-scale problems um, will provide not only savings in time but also in costs in the long run. Um, in addition to those things, uh, we're also providing a uh, modular uh, data repository so that we can store the inputs for the scenario, um, for example, your physical location and terrain, your, uh, your, your traffic potentially, um, and, and then after the, uh, the, the um, scenario has been run, also store the results that were gathered. And on top of that, um, also providing an uh, analytical visualization so that um, the engineers or analysts who are running the tool uh, can drill down and, and view specifically the data of interest and see the context for that data as well. So at CERDEC, we're planning uh, to use Modesta. And in fact, we've actually started using um, the early version uh, of Modesta as it's being developed. Uh, in, in the CERDEC mission. Um, so we're implementing, um, we're pushing for the implementation of, of Modesta within the CERDEC uh, technology development process. So as uh, one of the uh, CERDEC uh, directorates is developing a new technology or um, a new tool for the Army Tactical Network, um, after it's under, undergone its own, um, you know, as it's maturing along the process, uh, it would then feed into the Modesta framework and be exercised within the larger system of systems so we can see how, how does this tool fit in the tactical mm -hmm. network? How does it relate with some of the systems that are already in existence? How does it perform um, in a high latency SATCOM environment or um, in, in the TOC? So that's one area where we're, we're using it. And we're also currently using Modesta to support uh, PEOC3T uh, and and enabling them to uh, look into how to properly architect 
the various radios and systems within their family of systems. So um, I guess to summarize, um, we, we see Modesta as, as allowing the stakeholders and decision makers to keep the big picture, the system system, in mind when um, developing new systems and new technologies and how they will integrate with the larger system systems. And by doing that, Modesta can provide efficiency, added value, and time and cost savings to the technology transition and insertion process. So with that, uh, Bill, I think we are open for questions. Okay. Uh, Sandra, you are first on the line, so you can go ahead with yours. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Sandra Erwin with National Defense. Um, can you give us um, maybe um, a scenario or two from some of the simulations that you've been doing with the Army's, Army's tactical network? I think that would kind of help us understand um, the, the, the scope and the significance of what you're talking about. I mean, like, what would be a hypothetical scenario of a simulation of the Army's network and what corrections has the Army uh, ex uh, procurement or acquisition people done based on those simulations? Thank you. Okay, sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this is uh, not necessarily new to utilize modeling simulation to address uh, some, some large-scale questions, but uh, what, we're, what we're trying to do with Modesta is to simplify the process to gain time savings and, um, and cost savings. But one example, a hypothetical situation may be um, if, uh, if there's a, an initiative to, let's say, um, uh, decide how many radios are the ideal number of radios in one network, um, and they want to know if, if we were to say um, provide a radio to uh, to every to the last soldier to every soldier that's in the field, um, how many how many nodes will actually um, when will the network break? And uh, so we could uh, quickly and fairly easily um, run multiple scenarios where we give a radio to down to the team leader and then we extend it down below the team leader to the individual rifleman. Uh, for example, and say, um, does the network, uh, can the network support this many nodes? Um, is the traffic level, when you add all the individual riflemen, you know, all the individual soldiers to that network, uh, would that um, overload the capacity of the network, or would it cause latencies that are too high for the data that um, has to pass on that network? So you can see um, through through varying the scenarios in, in a number of variables uh, that you will either um, get the performance that you need um, or maybe answer the question and say, you know, here's the limitation. We can't take it beyond um, the team leader, for example. So just as a hypothetical, um, that's, that's something that we, you, we have used modeling simulation for in the past, and, um, and that's something that we're building on with Modesta. Okay. And is there any particular um, schedule that um, you have as far as, you know, are you looking at uh, um, doing, you know, maybe more advanced simulations in the future? Or how, how, do you, how do you plan to maybe advance this type of simulation as the systems 
get more complex in the Army? Sure, yeah. So uh, there's a number of ways that we're um, driving towards uh, improving the overall uh, result that we can provide. Um, the first way would be by um, adding scalability to provide, uh, to scale higher and uh, potentially, um, you know, to allow uh, an analyst to look at how an entire brigade would interoperate with, with all the systems within that brigade uh, and then scaling beyond the brigade to potentially to a division level and uh, the added systems that that would provide, and how do they, um, how do all those systems inter interface with each other and interact? Uh, what does that cause um, when you're running all these systems at the same time? And and uh, for some of the some of the time critical threads, mission threads um, like a call for fire or something like that, how would that uh, be affected uh, when you introduce all these systems onto the network? Um, Another way is to increase fidelity of the models that currently exist, and we have an initiative to, to do that as well. So that could be the fidelity of um, the terrain models um, and, and how accurately they represent the terrain you would see in, uh, in other parts of the world or in the United States um, so that you can know how your connectivity will be given a certain movement um, uh, and, and how that will affect your communications. For example, if you if you were to drive this vehicle on the other side of the mountain, you would you we could then answer yes, you would lose communication, or no, you you still have your your comms link. Um, or it could be the fidelity of the the models of the radios themselves, and and how the uh, radio frequency waves and the um, data flow across the uh, that wireless link. So those are uh, a few of the ways that we're um, trying to improve the, the um, ability of this analytical tool. Great. Thank you. And Jared, you're next. Yeah, hi, Jared Serbu from Federal News Radio. Um, one of the things that, as I understand it, uh, has happened as the whole NIE process has evolved is, is kind of the realization that we need to be doing a lot more integration in the lab instead of trying to integrate the whole network on the ground down at Bliss. So, so my question really is, how, how do you see Modesta uh, playing into the NIE process? What, if any, is kind of the lash up, lash up or the handoff uh, to NIE? Sure, Jared. Uh, it, uh, absolutely. Um, those are some of the lessons learned from, from the NIE process, and, um, and we're uh, we feel that this, this tool will, will fit nicely in place in the lab-based risk reduction area prior to the NIE um, because um, if you're familiar with most of the lab environments, you, you have a subset of the equipment that's go going to go to NIE, but you don't have all of it. So you're getting, you know, a sort of a, a, a partial picture. You get a really good idea before you go out the field, and the benefits are there clearly. Um, so what we want to do is just increase the, the benefits um, by allowing uh, some additional scalability, uh, providing um, potentially augmenting um, the systems that are that are in the lab with emulated systems, um, and allowing them to take more than more uh, a little bit of a larger subset of those systems, uh, and potentially growing out the number of nodes. So you see the, the interaction between all of the nodes uh, rather than just a slice of, of the nodes that would be in the field. Um, also, um, 
again, before the hardware quantities are available. So um, the, the NIE uh, cycle is, is fairly rapid, and um, it, it's, it's often something where we're trying to keep up with that cycle. And so by allowing us uh, to look into uh, systems that aren't available at, you know, to the production level um, that you would need for a lab or a field event, we can look at those systems early on before the hardware is actually available. And so we're, uh, we are embedded in, 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 in some of the labs, uh, specifically the C4ISR system integration lab, uh, or the CSIL, um, here at CERDEC. That's also a part of um, SMTCD. So we, um, we're embedded there as well. And so we can provide that, uh, that scalability and those other things I mentioned um, to the to prior to the NIE uh, lab-based testing. Gotcha. And, and so, and, and then back to your point on increasing the fidelity of your models, does, I mean, do you see the potential at least for the on-the-ground testing that happens at Bliss to feed back into those models? In other words, you know, I, I assume some of these systems are going to be first tested in Modesta and then actually make their way into products. Does that product testing in the field tell you, yeah, yes or no, you know, in the real world this system behaved on this kind of terrain the way it actually did in the model? Right, absolutely. There's a, there's a constant, or there should be a constant feedback loop uh, where you're basically verifying um, the results that were obtained in the lab or in the simulation um, while you're in the field. And, um, and so there can be, you know, this... this um, this multi-cycle feedback uh, as, as you go um, from a lab, or I should say from simulation to simulation slash lab, and then out to the field and, and then circle back as improvements are made. Um, it can be a, you know, a proving ground for, for making quick changes, um, and it could go even, uh, even further than that. And one of the things that uh, we're, um, I alluded to earlier was um, we're pushing for using the highest fidelity uh, models that are available. And so um, typically what that means is it's using um, what we call a shared code uh, model. So it's as much as possible, it uses the actual software code that's running on the hardware radio, but it's using that in this virtualized uh, simulation environment. So you get uh, most of the characteristics that you would see in the in the live hardware within the simulation, and so um, and there's there's very little that is um, that has to be really kind of hacked. It's most of it is uh, is based on it or is is the actual code. And quickly, one more. Can you just can you just give us a little bit more detail on on the maturity of Modesta as it stands now? I mean, is it is it a thing that can be used as of right now, or is it uh, something you're planning for the future? Sure. So we're on a, uh, currently on a development cycle with our initial operating capability delivery scheduled for this December. Um, and so uh, at this point, there are many of the pieces are, are available. However, they're not all, um, I guess, polished together in a, in a, in a unified piece. Um, so, you know, that's our initial operating capability in this December, and we're planning for our final um, full operational capability in uh, December of 2015. Um, so yeah, we do have uh, uh, many of the pieces that are available um, 
it just doesn't quite have a you know a polished interface on it as of yet. Gotcha. Thanks. I'll I'll pause and let others get in. Thanks, Jared. Uh, Phyllis. Phyllis Zambler Miller. This is Lieutenant.blogspot.com. I wanted to talk a little bit about the security of the data and also how uh, comfortable you are with the predictive validity. I'm reading Nate Silver's The Signal and the Noise, and so I'm a little leery of any modeling that purports to be real-world conditions. So first, is this uh, information being stored in the cloud, and or is it in a more secure kind of uh, storage? And how comfortable are you with the current predictive validity? Okay, sure. Um, so first of all, the data... Uh, all the data right now is uh, is stored uh, in-house in our CERDEC labs. Um, so, you know, uh, it's 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 actually not connected to the internet at all. Um, it's a it's a um, segregated network, um, and so uh, really it's accessible currently only through you know through our CERDEC labs and and actually within within that that uh, segregated network. Um, in the future, uh, we have talked about potentially making it accessible um, via some means like uh, uh, Nippernet or, or something like that, depending on, on the classification, of course. Um, and that really goes into, I guess, the use case for the future and how we expect it to be used. Um, so I think, uh, for at least for the timeframes that we're looking at right now for our December release and then the following December, That'll be something that is is executed locally, um, and will be will be run within the CERDEC labs and not connected to the cloud. Um, and your to your second question, um, as I mentioned, uh, there's there's a need, and you know it's it's a constant cycle of, of feedback from data from the live systems back to the models, and uh, that would. Uh, that is that is the primary means uh, or verification and validation of the output of the models um, to provide that um, uh, warm and fuzzy that what we're seeing in the simulation is uh, is, is true based on the uh, the live uh, the real hardware. So there's a, there's a certain there's a certain number of steps that have to take place as you're developing a model. Um, and it depends on really who's who's actually exercising the models to say whether it's an absolute requirement or if if uh, if say the 80% solution is good enough um, to provide the results needed. Um, and so uh, there's that V and V process is typically uh, something that's done um, and is uh, and provides you with um, some sort of you know, provides you certainly with information to say how accurate is this model? Is it producing um, to the accuracy required for this particular study? So really, I think um, the overall um, precision um, has to be decided by uh, the consumers of the data. Okay, and can I just ask one more question? I just wanted to know why there are all those different network levels. Why aren't they all? You know, the Italian has a different one than a squad. Why is that? Well, that's um, you know that's that's part of uh, it, it's it's architected that way um, because it it met the, the the purpose and it and it um, it was it was what was 
uh, what was required, I guess, what was part of the requirements, um, because you don't always have connectivity when you're out, you know, in an uh, adverse environment. You, you may not um, be co-located with these other uh, layers, as I call them, or echelons. Um, they may start together and then they deploy out and, and they're no longer anywhere near each other. So having um, <clears throat> a single system to uh, cross those boundaries may not make sense. Uh, and uh, certainly there's different requirements depending on the layer where you're at. Um, they may, at, at brigade, need much higher throughput than you would at the company level. Um, and so those, I think, are some of the reasons why it, uh, the network has been architected that way. Thank you. Welcome. And Sandra, back to you. Great. Thank you very much. Um, I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about your uh, thinking about expanding, you know, cross, across BEOs uh, or across the Army um, procurement community, um, because it seems to me that this is more about uh, culture and management uh, and, and uh, rice bowls issues. And, uh, and I was wondering how you would anticipate that you could get everyone to be on the same simulation platform. It just seems seems a little unrealistic, but maybe there's some new things going on that that are changing this mindset. I wonder if you can discuss it a little bit. Uh, sure. Yeah. So um, one of the things we're doing is, is uh, we're not really trying to reinvent the wheel uh, or the M&S wheel, really. Um, <clears throat> we're, we're trying to bring together the, the, the best of breeds. So um, what what is out there that currently exists uh, that best um, fits the job at hand. And that's part of what we did initially was to see what, what's out there currently, what are, what are the uh, various labs using and, and the PMs using to, uh, to model and simulate their systems. Uh, and so uh, the goal here is, is not to recreate any of that, but, but to take it and to build um, this modular framework around it, which is what we call Modesta, to uh, allow the execution of these scenarios uh, to be uh, much more, I guess, uh, streamlined. And so, um, so there may be, you know, some tools that we haven't currently um, uh, implemented into Modesta or created uh, the interfaces for, um, but that would be something that we would certainly look into. Um, so we're not really trying to convince anyone to um, necessarily change the, the whole way they do things. Um, but what we are saying is that this can be a useful tool. Um, uh, it can uh, save time, and, and it can go a long way to answering some of those questions of system-to-systems uh, -systems inter interfacing and um, uh, integration. And so uh, when you talk about other uh, cross-PEOs, uh, you know, those, those um, same questions will most likely come up for their systems as well. Uh, maybe it's an, um, an Intel system, uh, and, and that Intel system may eventually need to uh, ride or um, utilize a transport system in another PEO. And so that's an example, a hypothetical example, of where you may want to have, um, you know, utilize this, System and systems modeling to to address that uh, that possibly difficult integration question. 
do people um, do people sometimes get uncomfortable with these tools because they they already have they already know how they want a system to work and when you get into systems of systems um, as you know the RME has in the past set up very ambitious goals and uh, and so maybe a simulation tool can make it look easy but then it's not as easy in the real world so are those kind of questions asked when you work with with folks and when you demonstrate this type of thing so we haven't really gotten um, those types of questions as of yet um, but we uh, I think what we're looking at with with this type of MNS is is we're going to see what those uh, those potential issues are uh, and that's actually the goal not to not to make it seem uh, easier uh, than it will be in reality, but to find the the real issues um, as early on as possible. So if there's modifications that are necessary, they could be made. Um, so certainly um, there are a lot of difficult integration issues. Um, and, and I think uh, the goal of Modesta is to is to find those those issues and uh, and so that the, uh, they can be worked around. But yeah, that's, that's not something we've actually come across as of yet, where, where it looks easier from our, uh, our M&S than it, than it would be in, in, in reality. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. So uh, I would have to imagine that, that once Modesta is, is off and running, you're going to have lots of folks from industry saying, uh, I want to plug into this so I can show you how how wonderfully my whiz-bang technology integrates with your network. Is, is, is there a path to do that, or, or do you see it mostly as a way to uh, evaluate and integrate existing programs or records? Uh, well, there's currently, we, we currently haven't discussed the path to do that. Um, I think that uh, that's certainly technically feasible uh, to do, and it will be just a matter of uh, ensuring that, you know, there are, um, uh, I guess the, the appropriate permissions from whatever systems are are a part of the um, environment that that industry uh, widget wants to be tested in, um, and so that would just be something where we would uh, ensure that every everyone is, is is okay with that happening. But I don't see any technical reasons why. But bottom line is, you're not seeing it right now as as a way to onboard commercial technologies. Is that fair? Um, currently, yes, that's that's the case. Okay, and then w with all the emphasis on uh, you know common standards, a common operating environment in the Army right now, uh, to to what extent do you see do you see Modesta as as kind of a tool to enforce those standards? I mean, is it is is one of the purposes here to test systems against not just whether they interoperate, but whether they meet those defined standards? Um, I think I think it will it will actually. Um, uh, be useful in that uh, in that vein um, because we will see based on um, I guess the results of, of the testing whether or not they met uh, they were able to interface properly and so we will see uh, see these see these issues come up where where they may not be implementing the standard um, completely or they may have uh, diverted from from let's say an open um, an open standard, possibly, and we'd be able to see those issues um, through through the simulation, through the uh, through the MNS that's conducted in Modesta. 
All right, thanks. Got that. And Phyllis, back to you. I have no further questions. Thank you. Sandra, did you have a follow-up? Uh, I'm okay. I think I've asked all the questions I had. Thank you. Roger that. And Jared? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe last thing, you could just describe a little bit, even with all the, all the modeling and simulation capabilities you're bringing in together now, what, you know, given kind of the state of technology, what are the things that we, we still can't model and simulate in a virtual environment, uh, the, the things that really do still require real-world testing, if that question makes sense? Okay, sure. Uh, one of the ones that um, I guess we're confronted with uh, frequently is uh, modeling, I guess, realistic user behavior is difficult. Um, so if, uh, for example, we're, we're uh, simulating a large-scale um, multiple echelon, you know, of, of networks and the systems that are on those networks, well, uh, if you have applications running, um, uh, those applications are only as good as the users that are behind them, um, and and the users making uh, making those decisions that they would potentially in 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 a, in a uh, you know a, a, an environment such as um, you know when they're deployed, then uh, so that that type of user interaction is difficult. So you know at some point uh, we can. We can simulate and, and emulate um, very large scale, but without the uh, uh, the user's behavior, it becomes it becomes uh, uh, maybe diminishing returns. So that's something that we're looking into. How can we um, bring in some of the user uh, the variability that the user bring provides um, in the different phases of battle? For example, they they will they will interact with the systems differently. Um, and uh, depending on whether they're in contact with enemy forces, they would, you know, interact differently. So there are some ways um, uh, of, of providing uh, that, but it is, it is difficult, I would say. Um, and there are, there are people that are looking into, um, you know, teams looking into uh, providing that, that capability. And, uh, and the, other, the other piece that, that is difficult is, uh, is is uh, some of the propagation, RF propagation and path loss within urban environments and uh, through foliage and weather, those types of things are, are difficult, although we do have, you know, um, we do have uh, methods in place and models in place to do that, uh, but it is, it is another challenge as well. Is that just a complexity problem, or is it because the, the, the science of wave propagation isn't well enough? Uh, it's a complexity problem, and, and we've seen some of the solutions um, uh, involve, you know, using some extremely high-powered computers like high-performance uh, systems clusters and that type of thing. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's not something that hasn't been addressed. Thanks a lot. And nobody else, did, did anybody else have any more questions, follow-ups? Roger that. Well, I'd like to thank everybody uh, for your questions and thank you for your time today. Uh, do we have any uh, closing statements from Josh or Noah? Well, no, I just appreciate the, uh, the conversation and the questions. And, um, and again, we're hoping that uh, as this uh, project uh, matures, it will provide a, a solution for uh, system-to-systems level um, analysis 
and um, by, by streamlining um, and reducing duplication of effort, uh, we can provide benefit to uh, the Army and DOD. Other than that, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, today's program has been recorded, and I'll have it up on DOD Live later this afternoon. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your time. Feel free to disconnect at this time.